Blockchain and cryptocurrency. We all hear about them all the time, but how much do you really know about each? At this Ivy Ideas Night, Spencer Lyon, the Community and Strategic Partnership Director at RealDAX, spoke to a group of Ivy members in Miami about both blockchain and cryptocurrency, explaining what they are, what they are not, the evolution of each, where they are heading, and applications of each in the business landscape. Using the industry of real estate as an example of these technologies in action, the lessons that Spencer discussed can be applied to any field, and is a talk that is perfect for those interested in learning more about blockchain and cryptocurrency. I couldn't hear anything you guys said. How are you guys doing? All right, thank you. God. All right, I like to interact a lot, give you guys a little bit more entertainment. This is like some pretty interesting stuff. Can get kind of boring, so I'm keeping it pretty surface layer. Let me just gauge the room a little bit. I know all of your shoulders hurt and you're really resistant to raising your hands. I know how it is. Who knows about blockchain? Okay, you got them up there a little bit, okay. Who thinks Bitcoin is blockchain? Okay, okay. Who is invested in either a cryptocurrency or something? Oh, oh here we go, so you gotta leave because this is just full of, I'm just, just kidding. Awesome, all right, so I'm gonna really try to keep it pretty light, I guess. Just because, like I said, it can get kind of technical. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a breakdown. Hopefully, like he was saying, Anton was saying, uh, that you'll be able to walk out of here with a little bit more information on what this all is. So, just to back up a little bit, this is my company, I'm RealDAX. Well, I'm Spencer, but my company is RealDAX. We're an AI and blockchain platform that helps real estate professionals and investors find, evaluate, and acquire the best residential properties for their clients faster than ever before. I mean, that's because of blockchain technology. So. Does anybody know what this is? Map. It is a map. <laughs> Step one. Mining. Huh? Mining. Mining? Okay, that's a good one. So. <laughs> that was me beatboxing, by the way. This, if you can read it, is actually ARPANET. In uh, 1973, this was the proposal for the internet. Right? And people thought they were batshit crazy. This is the foundation that's led to all of you being able to watch really funny cat videos on your toilet. All right? <laughs> so, but I'm just trying to put this into the context a little bit because, you know, when a new technology does come out, it has growing pains, right? So, yeah, just to kind of open your minds a little bit. Now, let's see if I, oh, no, this way. Just to give you a quick intro on the blockchain and how this got to where we are today at least. I wanna say like in the early 2000s when technology really started to pick up, you know, things like your internet speeds and started to grow, DSL, cable, fiber, 3G, 4G, all these things started to increase and grow. Also things like, got point this way, cloud computing started increasing, Amazon, Google, all those people started offering those types of technologies. Connected users, mobility devices, things in everybody's pocket today. Another thing, those connected devices to the internet itself increased in the speed at which they could connect, increased, so everything started to really scale up, right? So. Around 2007, we call this a technology inflection point, right? Where things really just started to could like extremely take off. At the exact same time, this is a very interesting time period in 2007, 2008. Not some kind of crazy thing happened then. The mortgage crisis also took place during this time period, right? 800 plus billion dollars printed overnight, a couple trillion printed on a couple years during that process. And only, does anyone know how many people went to jail for that? One. One. <laughs> 
one. This one poor analyst who did not know how to lawyer up correctly. But because of all of this, it really pissed a lot of people off, right? So the birth of Bitcoin. Now, has anybody actually read the Bitcoin paper? Yeah, great. So you probably know about it. It's a really light read, about seven to eight pages. For anybody who really is interested in learning a little about it, I do recommend it. There's some technical things that you could probably skip over, but at the same time, it'll give you a good amount of information. It really made a lot of people mad, including these technologists who decided, like, we don't want to have to be reliant on this, this process anymore. We don't want to have our money in the hands of people who make decisions without our permission, per se, right? What is Bitcoin? What is blockchain? What is all of this? One of the things I like to do is, is give you guys an example of something that you probably know about um, and then compare that with something new, right? So one of the things you guys probably know about or at least are a little bit more familiar about is infrastructure, right? And what is infrastructure? Bridges, highways, sidewalks. Oh, everyone knows about this, right? And there's certain types of work, certain things that go into that, certain types of organizations that manage that, right? For example, the Miami Port Authority manages that, Miami-Dade Water and Sewer manage that. So all of these guys are managing specific types of segments within an industry, right? So it's making sense so far, right? You guys get this, okay. Now, underneath those organizations are specific projects, right? 95, I know, we all hate it. I saw another burning car in 95 the other day. <laughs> Are you serious? So 95 is definitely one of them, the MacArthur Causeway, et cetera, et cetera. So specific projects that are under these guys' management. These guys are getting paid in fiat, currency, right? Dollars, primarily here in the US, right? That is like something you really should kind of have a good understanding of, right? So what is this new thing, right? Um, in the world of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, the industry segment, uh, or industry we can call it as DCTs, decentralized consensus technology, also interchangeable with decentralized ledger technologies. As you can see, it's kind of a tongue twister, so we keep the acronyms going. Now, within that industry, there are the segments as well. We call them protocols. So blockchain is a specific type of protocol in like the coding world, right? Like following certain procedures. There's different types of protocols that all have somewhat of the same goal, right? Underneath that, organizations. Bitcoin is an organization. Bitcoin's a little confusing because the Bitcoin organization has the Bitcoin <laughs> Bitcoin project and their fiat is Bitcoin. So when someone says Bitcoin, no one, it's really, they really screwed it for all of you guys. It made it really confusing. Underneath the segments are the organizations or what we call DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. Bitcoin is one of them, for example. Now, underneath that, they have specific projects. Bitcoin is a specific project under the, see why it gets confusing. I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep it a little light and entertaining. You can see that the actual flow is pretty much identical to what something you're comfortable with, at least relatively comfortable with. Um, now, in, the, the, in terms of like how they're getting paid, the employees of these organizations are getting paid in cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin, Ripple, Dash, Ethereum, or Ethos, et cetera, et cetera. Depending on what project you're working on, under which protocol, et cetera. So, so far, so good. Okay, good, all right, just making sure. So, now the reason all this is possible, or I'll talk a little bit about this, are the types of networks that, again, something you're used to is more like the centralized network, or that's even a little bit outdated now. You can think of it like as, anybody have their own website here? Does anyone actually have the server that holds their entire, like everything they need for that website, like under their desk like they did in the past? You do? <laughs> what, if it, what if you lose power? So that's how it was though, like beforehand you had your servers where you held your images, you held your copy, you held everything for that website and if the power went out or something happened, a bomb went off, whatever it could be, that website's gone, right? So then they moved to what's called a distributed network, right? So where hosting, right, or cloud computing, where you can host your images here, your content here, this there, this there. So if your personal computer went down, 
your website's still running. Now, when it comes to like a decentralized network, the way that the information stores a little bit differently. So they have specific people who are participating in this network where that information is copied over the entire network repetitively. That what makes it so hard to hack or corrupt is this process. All of that information is stored in multiple points at a multiple period in time, making it very easy to access that information depending how close you are to the closest node, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to get too technical, but that's kind of to give you guys an idea of how the network works. There's a couple different generations that have come about in this space. The first one is the one that we're all for mostly familiar with, which is the cryptocurrencies, right? Everybody so far good cryptocurrency. So that was created first because of, again, more of the inspiration between the, behind the, um, the, the financial crisis. But it, it really put things in perspective behind how money is understood, right? So money for payments, money for tokens for service, the transparency, the KYC, know your customer regulations behind all of this were all put into this type of currency that now people can use borderlessly, pretty much. As they were building this technology, certain thing happened where they're like, man, this could be really applied to other applications, right? So hence they moved on to the second generation, which is the ledgers, right? That's where DLT comes from. But this is more like, all right, now we can monitor things like debits and credits and make sure that this process or these transactions are recorded and untamperable. No one can mess with the information that's on these ledgers because it's stored in multiple locations. I'm gonna explain that in a second on my example for you guys. The ledgers were created on the blockchain to be able to record this information in a much more secure way. So that was the second generation. Next is contracts. Who's heard of smart contracts? So this is the next step, right? Why don't we have something in place that can be instantly executable between two parties once the terms and conditions are agreed upon? No more sending it here, sending it there. Some people use like contract sharing applications. This is gonna happen at a much faster rate. So they're using the security and the transparency behind this now too to make these contracts more executable in a faster rate. So the final step or next generation is gonna be markets. There's no one marketplace right now, but that is the following step that's gonna be taking place. So we are currently in the contracts phase. For example, I was talking to somebody earlier, there's about five cities right now that are accepting smart contracts as legally binding and enforceable legal documents uh, in a court of law. Florida is on the docket. Unfortunately, it's kind of on pause right now, but we'll see by the end of the year if they pass it. So I wanna talk about like the value of cryptocurrencies and what it really brings to the table. At least get your perspective on it. So this chart does a pretty good like, example of that. It really breaks out gold versus fiat versus cryptocurrencies, right? I'm gonna make up some small examples. So you can see like the different colors. This is like, for example, talk about portability. Is gold really today's day portable? I mean, if you have to pay something with like 100 grams of gold or like, let's talk even higher weight, a kilo, 100 kilos like of gold, it doesn't make sense, right? It's not something that you can move around. But the other two, like a normal fiat, like the US dollar or cryptocurrencies is easily transferable, right? Um, some might take longer than others, but, but it's something that's easily moved around. But let's look into smart, right? Gold isn't smart, it's just there. Or actually, let's look into secure, like can it be counterfeited? Yeah, there's fake gold out there. Anybody bought a fake gold ring? Hopefully no wives in the room. But also dollars, euros, there's counterfeit of this types of fiat all over the world. But when it comes to like a cryptocurrency, it's impossible to actually create a counterfeit because the network smells the stuff out and eliminates it, right? This gives you kind of the comparison of like all the benefits that a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, for example, can bring to the table. To put this even more 
perspective of kind of where we are today. What we're seeing here is, oh, you can't see the map. There's, <laughs> yes, there's a map there of the United States. This is um, pretty much highlighting 16 exchanges all over the world that have underneath them their market capitalization of over a trillion dollars, right? So it's called the Trillion Dollar Club. Um, the New York Stock Exchange is one of them that trades or at least manages over $16 trillion. You can see underneath the, only the New York Stock Exchange has about 4,000 companies that they, they manage, right? All of crypto, the entire world, right now is only about 1,600 organizations doing things, representing about 300 billion. The New York Stock Exchange actually has, like I said, $19 trillion. So this is another one to kind of open up your mind a little bit to let you know that there's still a lot of room for growth. Still a lot of room for potential here, and that we're very early on in the adoption of this new tech, all right? Now let's get a little fun here. Does anyone know what this is? I'm interested in your thought. Heart attack, yes! You're actually, that is actually, I would've said diarrhea, but. Anybody else? BTC, man. BTC, all right, you think it's Bitcoin, you think it's there? This is, this is Amazon. Seems pretty volatile, huh? Yeah, this was during the, the, the dot-com bubble. Right, but so you can see that like as new technologies or disruptors come into a certain marketplace, it has volatility to it. But over the long haul, we call that a hockey stick, by the way, if anybody's in the startup world. Uh, yeah, this happens. Now the other fun thing that happened. Go ahead and read that. He also said this about blockchain and Bitcoin. Well, he said that they were never, like it's never going to be adopted. Blah blah blah. But. But um, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from Warren Buffett. He's a genius in what he knows, right? So, and I respect the guy, right? So he doesn't know something, so he's not participating. That's fine, and I actually would advise that of all of you. I would never say, go spend all of your life savings on cryptocurrency. I did not say that, <laughs> all right? So, you know, again, I'm just trying to put things in perspective of like how things come to market and adopt and grow, right? Now, the really cool thing about what blockchain does is it helps validate trust in an environment where you don't necessarily need it. Like, I don't need to trust you to do business with you. In most cases, most people need to trust people to do business with them in some shape or form, right? Specifically in real estate, right? That's exactly what I do. A real estate agent is making sure that you trust the other person actually has that house, hasn't have any liens, doesn't do anything. Like, you're there brokering that, right? So, Pretty much blockchain helps validate this trust, therefore minimizing the human error that can possibly come across to in that, right? Transaction brokers or anybody in that business are trust brokers, right? So an agent, a headhunter, are all like brokering this trust between people. Now, transaction brokers are getting disrupted by blockchain technology because of the fact you don't necessarily need that intermediary to broker that trust, right? So in real estate, well, so yeah, real estate is a transaction business with lots and lots of brokers. So in terms of disruption, there's some things happening, right? Things that are coming along to make things change a little bit. These are a lot of like the ways that things are being affected, right? Asset management is becoming liquid, slow price discovery and property valuations is becoming fast, speedy settlements or slow settlements are becoming speedy, zero legal costs, insufficient title transfers becoming instant, haphazard mortgage tracking, rampant fraud, not anymore. So, this, this technology is being applied in a number of different ways to cover a number of different issues within specific segments that they're working in, right? So I wanna show you an example to kinda of help you just kinda of get a picture of this. Specifically, this is a good one when it comes to ledgers. So a title registration or deed it has its holes in it, right, for example. Like it has issues, but it's something that we are somewhat familiar with and know about, right, for any kind of property. 
So as an example for you guys, let's say this house here. It's, it's pretty magical, actually. It's over there in Kendall. I'm selling. It's listed for about, I'm just kidding. So let's say we, let's walk through the history of this house really quickly. Let's say, you know, it was built back in 85, sold to its first owner, right? And next thing you know, the owner's like, you know, I'm going to put a little extra money into this, change things up a little bit, make it my own. So he does that, it gets recorded, blah, blah, blah. Has some uh, approved extensions on whatever work he's trying to do. He sold it to another owner. Um, at that time, what is it? We're in 1989 now. Things go happen, that, that owner decides that maybe they're gonna you know, check out the house and there's a failed electrical inspection, right? And it's a little funny, usually in that, during that time, that owner has to take care of that type of thing, right? But it looks like that actually sold to the third owner. If I was looking at this, I'd be, I'd be a little suspicious myself. So this is a little funny right now, right? It's a little weird. But we keep moving on. That actual third owner puts in another 50K. Why would he buy this house and then still put 50K into it? It's weird. But next thing you know, there's an electrical fire. Burns down the house, right? What I'm trying to point out that is that this is a, a, a weird record of this house that shouldn't have gone past step number five. But what happened was owner number two changed the title, changed the deed. Because fraud isn't something that we all live with, right? Because government officials are people we can trust, right? <laughs> Do you work for the title company? Get out. So what happens, I mean, this is something that actually happens in today's world where fake titles or fraudulent activities happen, right? For example, in this situation, the owner number three was like, oh, there's a new kitchen in here. This might be a good kind of buy for me. He didn't understand or know or didn't have the right information to make the right decision because of this fraudulent activity. Now, even as this, for this electrical fire, right, if he goes to his insurance, and tries to process that, and they do the audit on the process, and they come across that failed electrical inspection, now that guy's screwed. A lot of problems come from this. A lot of deals actually fail because of inaccurate title or deed information. Let's see how we can fix that, right? The way that a blockchain would work, right? Does anybody know? Does anyone? So the way that it works is it is very similar to a chain, but more with like how the cryptography and then the math and everything works. I'm really not going to get into the cryptography aspect of things. I'm sorry. This is surface layer stuff. You have to book me for my late night. That's going to be the really technical stuff. So let's look at the same thing. As you can see on this record, we're coming across a little bit more information here. We actually see who's actually putting that information on, or at least that's coded into the, the, the algorithm when building this certain block of who's putting that information there. So the builder, for example, sold to the first owner. At the end of that, you see this little key here. This little key is created to then create the next link, right? Without that first key, you would not be able to go to the next step. Now, we have a new, that owner put in those 20K of improvements, and it's locked in to then create the next one, right? And the next one, and the next one. Each one is reliant on the first step before and recorded inside that next step. So, and I'll explain what's, why that's important, because then you come across that same thing, that failed electrical inspection, right, for an example. But we're gonna keep moving on, moving on. Let's say that person wants again to try to go and fraudulently change that, that information. What happens now, since this information is stored in multiple locations at the same time within a network that validates that information repetitively, once this person attempts to modify that or disrupt it, the network says, you smell funny. Like, you're, you can't sit with us. Anybody? <laughs> At least all the girls in the room. <laughs> the network puts the right information right back in, in that spot, and replaces that, that fraudulent record that was trying to make its way through the system, right? And the reason being, once it's trying to analyze this code without it, it's like, man, I couldn't have got to number six without a number five, because the beginning part of my number six starts with number five's key. So where did it go? Because four now is trying to jump to six. 
I know it's a little confusing, but each one rely on each other to build like a chain. So that's why it's called blockchain. Making sense or am I losing you guys? This is really leading to industries being consolidated. Um, different factors are changing, different things are starting to improve and speed up, right? So title is a, definitely an industry that's being disrupted. One thing I would say is title insurance might not be around when, why do you have to insure 100% accurate information? But speed and agility are the new currency in a number of different fields. Hopefully I'll learn a little bit more about all of you and what you're working in. You know, clients and people are expecting instant gratification. I know when I wake up, if I can't get onto Instagram, I'm really mad. That is something that's very, very important and crucial to this because the, the applications behind like blockchain and crypto are really focused on transparency, accuracy, and security. So here's a lot of the pros and cons. Um, again, I talked about a lot about this. It's cheaper in most cases, usually pennies or fractions of cents when it comes to fees or other things or transactions because now you don't necessarily have like, I'll give you an example. Anywhere from 9 to, I think, 12% is lost in any real estate transaction in terms of fees paid out, right? 6% goes to the broker, fees to the title, mortgage, all this bullcrap that goes into the whole transaction. Um, is, it's a hefty chunk of money, right? But if you can limit that and make sure that the actual people interacting or trying to conduct that business don't have to pay as much, you start making things a little bit more attractive, right? It's faster, it's much more international. For example, we're working with a client to help them bring money from Ecuador to deploy capital for a residential property here in the US, right here in Miami. He's having a hard time, he can't leave the country, he can't open the bank account, he's not trying to do some Panama paper stuff. So what's gonna happen is we can help him convert that to a cryptocurrency, put it through an atomic swap, help all parties get paid in the currency that they want, then return any money that he wants in crypto or in the fiat that he wants. Making it very, very easy and fast to deploy capital in other places around the world, as an example, right? Instantly available, depending on what you're doing. It might take anywhere from a few minutes with Dash, it might take 20 minutes, 10 minutes with Bitcoin. It depends on what you're trying to do. But also the creation of like this new currency or ledgers, contracts, and even the marketplaces, right? That's a huge pro and it's gonna create a lot of different jobs and really revolutionize a lot of people's ways of looking. Um, the cons, regulations. Yes, it's a big thing. We're still, like a, from those prior slides, we're still really early on in the industry space. So the, like, the types of regulations that are on there and the legality behind it, it's still brand new, right? It's still being tweaked on. Um, but there are honest players in, in the business because that's kind of what we believe in. We believe in the transparency. Like everything is easily seen, open source, so um, we definitely believe in that. Um, the legality behind it, like I said, with the smart contracts, there's still a lot of people who are looking to pass this. For, I have other examples that are gonna point out who's really moving on this. The adoption. There's only like a few of you here that are actually trading currency right now or even knew anything about blockchain or even knew that Bitcoin wouldn't even exist without blockchain, et cetera, et cetera. So the adoption phase is something that's huge as well because we gotta get more people using the network and that just comes with further educations and smarter people than me doing presentations. And then also there's a lot of people who are against it, right? Who are actually physically, or not physically, but like intentionally putting it down or intentionally trying to put it at bay until they're ready. I mean, a good one is the banks um, who are like, no, no, we can't do this, we can't do this, but they're like the number one employer of like Bitcoin and blockchain IT people. A couple of things here, like in the news, you can definitely see like uh, countries like Sweden are already working to migrate their entire title registration to the blockchain. Where is it? Uh, Burlington in Vermont uh, is embarking on a pilot project to start a blockchain. The UK's land registry is moving to blockchain. Canada, Ontario, Montanoba are leasing man or what? No, yeah. 
They're doing things with Ukraine for sure. They've already like migrated their stuff, uh, land registry and title information to the blockchain. So here's some of the players in there. My company as well. Another one, Proppy, for example, is working with Miami-Dade to help get their title registration to the blockchain, which would be like a four-step process, and I'm not gonna get into that. But that's a company as well that's actually locally here um, that's doing some really cool stuff. Some of the things that you can do. Hopefully this helps give you guys something, walkaways. One of them, of course, keep up to date, stay educated, knowledge is power. So things like CoinWatch, CoinDesk, CoinCentral, CoinMarketCap. These guys gotta get a little bit more creative with their names. Coin everything is just not gonna work. But these are really good resources, right? They really will help like kind of keep you in the know, help you understand what you should be doing and learn. The other thing is invest in some. I mean, does uh, I know probably the majority of you use Venmo, but if anybody uses a catch cash app, you can buy Bitcoin right there. You might not be able to put it in a wallet right away because you don't know what that is, but you can buy, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's a little funky. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I'm, I'm with you. But they don't know that. There's other resources out there to help you do it. You know, as an example, an easy one. The other thing, the last thing, just have an open mind. Again, I've given you a pretty good example of like how things come to network, how things grow um, in the adoption period, like Amazon, right? The volatility behind new adopters, innovators. Have an open mind. That's our show for this week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. Dream big and stay inspired.